Hey team, welcome to The Offseason. The Offseason is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have and should seek assistance from their trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of The Off Season. This has been a long time coming and this is definitely a passion project for me. On our very first episode, we have TJ Galliardi. He's a former NHLer. He played for the Avalanche, Sharks, Flames, Jets, and we even saw him over in Russia for a bit. On today's podcast, we talk about so many different topics from cold therapy to veganism and nutrition for professional athletes. We talk about his experience with an NADIV and how he's trying to optimize his longevity. Um, we even get into a couple past stories of the show. So stay tuned and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Cheech. Hello. What's going on? Another day in the life. Happy to be here in the office and here with you. That sounds pretty good. Um, how was your holidays? Pretty crazy. We were in Florida for a bit, which was nice. Uh, we went to Orlando. Never been there, but it was one of the rare direct flights from Halifax. So it's either, I think at that time of year, it's either Cancun or Orlando. And I'd never been to Orlando, and I sure as heck wasn't going to Cancun with the uh, <laughs> I guess my daughter was about a year and a half at yeah. that point, so no. Mexico's not the spot. No, I don't think Cancun is not in a six-hour flight. <laughs> Definitely wasn't going to be in the card, so Orlando it was. Perfect. I saw you uh, send me a photo of you coming out of the nicest sauna I've ever seen in my life. It was It was beautiful, yeah. So when I go to hotels now or resorts or anywhere, the first thing I check for is if they have a sauna. Because I'm absolutely addicted to sauna. And then the second thing I check for is if they have a cold tub, which is super rare. But this place had a cold tub as well. So it was an amazing, amazing place. I went there every day and felt really refreshed after our trip. That's awesome. How did you get into like hydrotherapy or when did you start? It's a good question. Uh, It was probably when I was in San Jose. Uh, Brent Burns on the team, he had a really cool setup at his house. Um, sauna custom built I think it was six or seven feet deep cold plunge that he could set the temperature on and we always had it freezing so it wasn't you know one of the those boxes that you throw ice in it was it was pretty pro and we'd go in there actually every night before our home games so whenever we played at home night before the game I'd go over there kind of around eight o'clock spending an hour and a half or so in the sauna going back and forth a few times and just chatting hanging out oh that's so sweet what a pregame! oh it was the best and I never felt better so yeah that kind of got me into it and now I've just kind of progressed my brother-in-law is a sauna master and actually one of becoming one of the world's experts in sauna therapy and starting a place in Toronto so he's all over it and every oh, no time way. I'm there I learn more that's cool we'll have to get him on here too at some point mm-hmm. chat sauna um 
So, yeah, when I first met you, you were kind of looking at, like, human optimization. We're into that route for sure, and that's definitely what I love and, and a lot of what I do here. But do you want to give us, like, a little bit of your history to start out with? Yeah, sure. So, I don't know how far back we should go, but... Uh, birth. Birth, yeah, <laughs> birth, Calgary. No, I, I... Typical upbringing, like everyone else, ate shitty food, and uh, my mom self-proclaimed as a terrible chef so uh, definitely wasn't optimizing anything at that age but just kind of grinded through it moved on uh, ended up playing professional hockey I think my first my first probably three years I just followed the crowd chicken chicken parm for pre-game meal <laughs> and uh, pasta with white sauce or rosé sauce on it and never really thought there was a correlation between what I put in my body and how I performed which is wild even at the highest level still having that and certainly it's changed a lot since then but uh, I think as my career went along I started to learn more and uh, be exposed to more about how it really made a difference and I've kind of just gotten to the point now I'm retired of course but uh, now I'm just trying to live to 100, 110. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Make your own blue zone, kind of? Absolutely. And I think uh, with the way everything's going with technology, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. So mm. I like to set my goals very high. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's so crazy to me. Like, even some of the athletes that I, I work with, or, or even just here on podcasts, of what their food is and what they're putting in their bodies. And there is like a really poor correlation between nutrition and performance which is still mind-blowing to me and I think like I get it when I played athletics it was not um like we had a deal with Smitty's so you would get your <laughs> pregame at Smitty's and I would get like fettuccine alfredo every time and wonder in the third period why I had no legs left like I couldn't mm. do anything um so yeah I think that correlation is slowly starting to be made but it's still pretty slow coming hey yeah, I think sport by sport, it's it's different for sure. You hear about guys in uh, the NBA still eating like fried chicken KFC the night before the game, which just blows my mind. Yeah. But I don't know what the most progressive would be. My Maybe it's just my bias because I know it more than anything, but I think hockey is probably on the forefront. Mm. Um, and there's, there's other sports that are, I'm sure, they're putting a lot of money into it. But uh, yeah, for me, I, I think the way... I always looked at it as, especially as I got older, as if I can eat something that tastes almost the same but will make me perform better, it's a no-brainer. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. And a good example is just whey protein versus plant-based. And uh, they they pretty much taste the same now, and why not? Yeah, definitely. So many guys say the whey upsets their stomach and it just doesn't sit right. So, yeah, I've been using you know, a lot of the plant-based stuff with people and they say it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, I guess uh, back way back to your real question, human optimization. So uh, moved out to Halifax, that would have been probably two years ago now. And shortly after that came across you because I was looking for who in the area is kind of cutting edge and doing something unique and glad we met. And now uh, I guess we can probably talk more about your specialties because that's that's what everyone wants to hear about yeah i kind of throw people i don't know these bones and say like do you want to try this do you want to get into this so i think one of the i don't know coolest things for me that we've done is the nad iv um so yeah nad is 
a molecule that our body makes. It declines as we age. Uh, research shows it has a lot to do with cognitive function, um, longevity, um, functional cellul cellular turnover, um, and just performance overall. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. And mm. as you can attest to, it feels horrible going in. What was your experience like? Well, from what you taught me, there's two ways to do it. it. You can do a push IV, which is the one we did, of course, and then a drip IV, correct? Yeah. So I like to do things as an experience. And I had heard about some people and the ones that I had seen, they were push IVs. So I figured even though it's supposed to be one of the hardest things you'll ever do and uh, make you feel like you're going to have a panic attack and so on and so forth. I figured oh, I got to try this. If, <laughs> if other people are doing it and they're, they're still alive and feeling good after I'll try it out. So I think our first session with it uh, at the very start, I was thinking in my head, okay, this isn't so bad. It just feels like maybe a little pressure in my chest and my stomach area. And then as it went on and we were getting more into the, into my system, I, I certainly had a, had that experience of, okay, this is kind of making me freak out. Uh, I was almost, I don't, I don't want to say dizzy, but almost like uh, lightheaded. And then I got to the point where it was probably the closest I've ever come to a panic attack. And I think it's funny looking back on it now. You, you did a great job of calming me down, walking me through, just taking some deep breaths. But it was a crazy experience. And I have friends now that I've told about it. And I'm always telling them, you got to try this NAD. And people are too scared. I think that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Pushing yourself is a little bit. And it is. I mean, for the research-wise, we're slowly starting to see, I think there's one study that has come out that says it actually is getting into the cells. Anecdotally, there's tons of stuff out there for benefit with um, neurodegenerative conditions, um, chronic illness, um, addictions. They're using it a lot in like Vancouver and stuff for addictions. Uh, alcoholism is another huge one that it's, it's beneficial for. But yeah, the most realm that I use it in is human optimization. And we've done a bunch of stuff at this point with you, like glutathione pushes and, you know, the basic Myers nutrient IVs and stuff. Do you notice, like, benefit after? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you get that kind of mental clarity. It's, you know, it's hard to really pinpoint because I live a kind of a crazy life with family out here and I got a young daughter and a, working in a startup it's it's non-stop but uh, I think it's just kind of being in that level field where you're not too high you're not too low it's it's what every athlete wants to get to and I still live my life that way I try not to get too high or too low and have that even keel and I think it helps with that yeah there's stresses in everyone's lives whether whether you're in sport or whether business and just day-to-day -day life so if you can take something that you know what did that take half an hour for us to do those NAD pushes like yeah. why not it's a it's a good opportunity to see how you feel after and if you already live a super healthy life I mean I'm, I've been plant-based for I don't even know how many years like probably five years now and maybe even more so I probably feel less of a benefit than most people would. I mean, if I was like crushing Big Macs and <laughs> hacking darts, I think I'd feel better after the NAD. Whereas when I do it now, I think it's just a little bit of a supplement. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's the thing too. You're, when we took your history, it's like, wow, what could I offer you that you aren't already doing for the most part? Um, yeah. And then just kind of going back to your sports career, 
When we talk about stresses, I find like a lot of um, athletes coming in and they usually fall into two categories. And I think uh, Andy O'Brien does a really good job of like kind of breaking this down of the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic athlete. Um, We haven't really talked about this before, I feel like, of what category you kind of fall into, but um, would you know what I'm talking about if I break it down that way? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so would you say like you were one or the other, or would it fit um, one way or the other for you? So if we talk about sympathetic, it's kind of like fight or flight all the time, just waiting for the fight, ready to go, um, on it all of the time, whereas the parasympathetic is more kind of come what may, you kind of react in... I always like associate them with like the parasympathetic reminds me of surfers a little bit more, whereas mm. the sympathetic would be, you know, an MMA fighter or something. It's a good analogy. I'm definitely on the parasympathetic side. Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> pretty chill, probably pissed a lot of my coaches off because uh, I tend to be more laid back than, than most hockey players. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to change your nature. So I'd always just kind of be cracking jokes right up until the second we stepped on the ice and sometimes even while we were on the ice regardless if it 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 was game seven in the playoffs or game one of the year or even exhibition so uh it's hard for me to rev myself up to be super angry i guess but uh i kind of learned my strengths and just said this is me you either like me or you don't and i still like that to this day for sure what about like pre-game then how would you get yourself ready for a game well when I first when I first started playing pro I would sit on the couch literally up until warm-ups and put my gear on go out warm up and then play a game that's so crazy to me (laughs) yeah and then as I got older I figured okay I got to start to warm up I had some injuries and was taught more about the importance of actually warming up and preparing your body for a crazy sport like hockey so uh, started to do more, you know, the typical dynamic warm-up and different things like that and tried all different sorts of things. But uh, I think for me, it, I just kind of have to snap myself into it. It was almost like the light switch analogy. I just flicked the light switch on when I when I needed to go on the ice. And same thing, like I said, it pissed off a lot of coaches. I bet it did. They're always <laughs> looking for that, like, fiery guy coming out. Um did you see that in some of the other players that would have like the pregame pukes or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't know about it. I don't know if I had too many guys puking, but I'm sure, I'm sure like crapping a bunch and peeing a bunch yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, it's funny to, to see personalities and to see different guys. Like I played with a guy, Dan Boyle, I think one game, he played forever in the NHL. And one of my first games in San Jose, I think he was sending text messages in between periods once. It was just wild to me. And I'm like, okay. But he performed, right? Yeah. And I, I was, I'm kind of, I think I was ahead of my time in the new school type where I could care less what you do. If you're eating chicken wings in between periods, but if you go out and you perform, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think a lot of it is optics. And, you know, it's almost like the coaches that they love a guy that, gets on the ice 30 minutes early and is working on a shot but I always thought okay I have more energy for practice and for games and recovery and stuff like that it doesn't matter if I'm working on my shot Mm -hmm. so uh, it's it's kind of hard to to juggle but I played with all different kinds of guys it's crazy to see you get some guys that are just crazy amped up all day every day and then other guys that are super chill like me yeah it's so interesting and then like 
how to treat those athletes becomes really interesting too. Like what would get somebody fired up who just really needs that push versus, you know, if they're basically pooping themselves before a game, how do we slow that down or how do we, you know, calm the nervous system so they're still in it and they're still ready to play, but there's no like detrimental side effects to that. Yeah, I'm super interested in that. I, if I was a guy super chill like I am and I came to you while I was still playing, what would you what would you tell me to do? Yeah, I guess what all would be the trickiest thing for me or my biggest probably pain point in a lot of things that I do is the herbs that I love or the mushrooms that I love are not NSF certified. So I feel like I'm working with you know the knowledge but a hand tied behind my back mm-hmm. for a lot of it. Um, but there is some stuff that we can do and technically like not a lot of stuff is really going to show up in a P test, but I would never want to take that risk with someone, you know? So if anything ever came back on me, that would be the worst thing ever. So I try to play a hundred percent within the lines on that front. But if it wasn't, um, an athlete that was being tested, I mean, to ramp somebody back up, there's, you know, L-theanine for focus. There's um, rhodiola is a really great adaptogen to kind of boost someone, whereas a lot of the other ones are trying to calm that nervous system down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's so many tools out there that we could use. Uh, lion's mane seems to be an awesome one to get people pumped up as well, or bring out bring down the anxiety of a situation. And then on the other front, like for digestive issues pre-sport or pre-event, uh, bitters digestive bitters work amazing for that and again there's no nsf certified product so if anyone out there is Mm -hmm. listening and wants to create one that would be amazing because it just really works for people you know and the likelihood of again that ever showing up in anything is it's just some herbs you know so it's probably quite low but manufacturing styles i can't trust it so i can't say it you know Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the biggest issue that i have it's cool to hear that stuff because you know when i was playing I think the most progressive pre-game option would be like a pre-workout powder. You know, that was probably 90% caffeine and 10% sugar, right? So it's uh, it almost makes me sad that I'm not playing anymore, that I couldn't take advantage of all these things. But uh, I guess the young kids now, they, they have all the tools. They just get to take advantage. Definitely. And even like the foundational things like yoga and breath work and meditation and you know visualization I remember like I mean I didn't play obviously in the NHL but for um university level there was no one ever told us about that stuff no one ever talked about like you know what you could do to prepare yourself before a game aside from you know doing these super random workouts in the gym and Mm -hmm. it was mostly like bench press and pull-ups for a female athlete, like, yes, it's somewhat important for the foundations, but I didn't really feel like there was anything helping my game there, you know? Yeah, I remember when I went to college, they walked us through the gym, probably one of our first days there, and all the all the upperclassmen, they were doing, like, you know, crazy squats with three plates on each side and chains, and <laughs> I remember looking around and thinking, I don't need to do any of this, and I can still go on the ice and probably play just as well as all these guys and it was so old school though it was guys were competing to see how much they could bench press and how many pull-ups they could do with weights on and stuff like that and I think at a young age I already knew that it just didn't really make sense and you're seeing it now you you brought up Andy O'Brien he's a perfect example I'm sure the stuff that he's doing 
even today versus two years ago is a big difference because if you're on the cutting edge, there's always new things that these guys are learning and it's the same thing with your space. So mm-hmm. uh, it's cool to see and I think more athletes are taking advantage of it now. Yeah, which is so awesome, you know, and there's so many different types of practitioners out there like your buddy Christian in Toronto, mm. like just chatting with him, like he gets it, you know, so there's so many opportunities for intervention and just finding the people that like serve your purpose and, and do what you need them to do is is awesome, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think athletes should know now too that you're on such a high plane that if you want to seek out the best anywhere, it's pretty easy to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess you would be able to say this better than I could, but I think practitioners whether it's a naturopath, whether it's a osteopath, whoever it is, they always want to work with athletes and work with some of the top tier athletes. So it's uh, it'd be pretty exciting to get a call from whoever it may be and, and say, hey, I want to work with you. For sure, it would. It's like most of our dream, for sure. And I think like you definitely don't take, you want to take the same care with every patient, but there's so many things that you would see that, probably aren't mentioned in the NHL a lot or professional sports in general and especially in kind of the naturopathic sense there's so many tools that we have for you know performance optimization or chronic injury management that wouldn't be as detrimental long term and potentially would aid in the longevity piece of an athlete um, because what you're doing and most times training wise and performance wise during a season is quite detrimental to like longevity you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So finding that balance or finding something that really supports what you're doing, but also gives you the chance to, you know, live to 110 mm-hmm. is pretty cool too, right? So I'm going to put you on the spot. If, uh, let's say Kyle Dubis of the Leafs comes to you and says, all right, summertime, we're going to hire you. You get to do three things for every athlete. What are the three things that you do? It could be some sort of testing. It could be some sort of uh of a, uh, I guess, some sort of pills, some sort of, uh, I guess, needle, whatever it is. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I would probably say the, especially post a long, tough season, hopefully the Leafs will make it for us this year. (laughs) Um, Uh, Okay. And then I would say like recovery would be huge. So the nutrient IVs are amazing. Um, Most athletes or a lot of athletes that I work with have some sort of a gut dysfunction in whether it be they're not eating the right foods they're doing the whey protein powder which isn't really well absorbed with them um, or they're so stressed out in season that it's compromising gut function so I would say if we could bypass all of that with IVs that would be huge and especially get all the nutrients in them into them to start performing in the off season as well would be is that like every day no, um, I don't think it would be necessary, assuming that they're, you know, optimizing a lot of the other avenues in life. Like if they're eating well, they're exercising, they're resting, I would say like a couple in the off season might be beneficial. And if they get drastic results from one, then we're all habitual, right? If it works, keep doing it. So there's definitely not harm. There is um, upper limits of vitamins, but the likelihood of us reaching them is quite low. Um, and especially with what we put in the bags, it's all really, really safe. So that would probably be one. If there's any um, history of concussion or brain injuries, um, I would probably do glutathione or maybe even look at the NAD with them. 
Um, these two are massive for clearing out, you know, leftover cognitive issues or uh, long-standing cognitive issues. And then the other one is with all of that gut dysfunction, A, is it coming from being too stressed out during the season? Are they in sympathetic overdrive all day, every day? And that presents as like anxiety, gut dysfunction, all that sort of stuff. So we could kind of assess it on that front. Is it adrenal issues or is it, um, you know, something wrong with their digestive system? So if it's digestive system route, I would probably look at like food sensitivity testing just to see. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take food away from athletes. They're already restricted. They already have a lot of limitations on what they can do. So I see the benefit of food sensitivity to just figure out those foods that are bothering you and take them out. I'm glad you brought that up. That would that would be the number one thing that I would always tell guys to do because it, I think it was probably six years into my pro career, I finally had a food sensitivity test. And the number one thing was egg whites for me. And I used to have an omelet every day. Yeah. So it's crazy. You think about all that added inflammation for no reason. Yep. You don't really need to have an omelet every day. So it's, uh, I, w- I was kind of in my head wondering if you'd throw that in there as one of your top three. Yeah, it gets ripped on a lot. And um, I think with athletes, it makes so much sense to me because we're looking for what your body is amounting an immune attack against. So why is that? Potentially it's because of a stressor, maybe traveling, you got a parasite somewhere, maybe like anything could be going on in your digestive system. But if we're looking for quick results, if we take out the aggravating foods, you're right, inflammation will go down and performance will probably go up, Mm -hmm. which is easy. Nice. Yeah. Well, Kyle Dubas, if you're listening. (laughs) We got the plan for you this summer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like, I don't know, I'm always curious about careers in any high level sport how did you I don't know like manage it all or what was it like for you it's a good question um I think I was lucky when I when I first came into the league uh my agent was the same agent as Paul Stastny and he connected us and said hey Paulie do you mind if if Galley lives with you during training camp it was my first training camp and I think he begrudgingly said, all right, I guess. I don't really know this guy, but sure. And then uh, after training camp, him and I got along really well. And he said, I I had made the team. And he said, you want to just stay here the whole year? So I had a really good guy to look up to. And he was a great pro. So he taught me so many things about kind of how to carry yourself and just little things. Like I I don't think I had ever really cooked myself a a real meal. And him and I living together, he kind of taught me more than one thing about how to cook and uh, I still don't think he's the best chef of all time but I I definitely learned a lot from that and you just kind of are forced to grow up Mm -hmm. but as I got older and played for a longer amount of time I think I just tried to be a sponge and learn from people as much as I could and kind of put your own flair on things I, I met some amazing people along the way that that really kind of mentored me and in various ways so uh, Christian's a great guy that you brought up and he's works in Toronto super super smart guy one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life and yeah. probably the best body work guy of all time uh, and he taught me a million things and then you just kind of you're, you're building your foundation and then you get to the point where you figure out what works for you and I think that's kind of how my career went as far as like nutrition and then just lifestyle sure when I was a young guy I would 
go out the night or you know a couple nights before a game when the when there was a green light and stuff like that but it's uh you learn more about how much it affects you I think when you're when you're young you don't really feel it Mm -hmm. you could go out all night and play a game the next day and somehow manage but eventually it catches up to you yeah for sure um what was the transition like or from the NHL to you know the next leagues uh I think the difference is pretty big but at the same time it's not because hockey's hockey Mm -hmm. I think just the the top end talent is different I mean there's no Sidney Crosby playing in, in Russia right so it's uh, that's number one as far as the on ice product goes, and then off ice, it's just it's a whole nother world, especially when you're talking Russia. Yeah, you know, you're there's just some things that happen there that you shake your head and laugh at, and it's a great life experience. But there's a big difference between staying at the Four Seasons in New York versus some place that you can't pronounce <laughs> in Yaroslavl, right? So it's. Uh, it, it's it's different in that front, but hockey's hockey. Yeah, definitely. Is there any crazy stories that you can share with us? Hmm. I feel like I'm putting you on the spot for that one. Well, not really, but uh, I think you and I talked about it actually last time I was in here getting an IV is they really push IVs onto the players, which I don't think is a bad thing. I would always try to find out what was in the bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good on you today yeah and sometimes you have no idea right you just kind of have to trust what they're doing and I don't think they ever put any steroids or anything crazy like that into my body but I'm I'm an experimenter and I'd always say all right boys go ahead just (laughs) poke me give me whatever it is and sometimes there was some stuff in there you felt amazing Mm -hmm. and then there's other times that it's probably not really doing anything Mm -hmm. it's overkill if anything out there but as far as crazy stories Mm, not nothing comes to mind yeah we had a machine there actually this is kind of on the context of of what what we're talking about it was uh it was almost like a full body suit that you'd lay on this table uh have you ever seen the normatec yeah so it was almost like a normatec but it wasn't it wasn't really filled with air and it had like electrons in it so picture picture laying on a on a table a therapy table with almost like strapped down and then they put an iv in your arm and then they connect a uh a machine to check your heart rate so they're putting like something into your into your system probably like a myers cocktail or some sort of a a vitamin drip and all the while they're this machine is syncing with your heart rate so when your heart beats this machine squeezes you and puts like electricity into you so i guess the idea behind it is that it pushes blood flow through your body faster it was something i'd never seen before okay i remember just hearing this noise uh in like the training room and i I walked in and there was a guy on our team who was hooked up to this thing and i couldn't believe what i saw i thought it was some crazy experiment but it was it was a crazy machine and i remember asking the guys this like brand new technology and they said they've had it since the 70s whoa so are we missing out over here or what i don't know and i asked the guy the russian guy of course that was on the machine i said is this, is this thing good and he's like 
I don't know. They tell me that you do it, so I do it. <laughs> and I never got the chance to jump on it, but that was that was a crazy thing to walk into. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And especially, well, was there anyone, like, was the translation pretty good for you or people spoke English well enough that you knew what was, for the most part, going into you? Or Our doctors, we had two team doctors that I I don't even know if they're doctors, to be honest. <laughs> Who knows what they are? But uh, they both spoke English very broken English. They probably, I, I would still use Google Translate when I talked with them. Yeah. But uh, their favorite words were injection. Uh, they, they'd say holistic, something was <laughs> holistic, even though I'd look it up on my phone and it certainly wasn't holistic. And uh, they, they always would just, uh, they love to pump you full of different minerals and different random stuff. But the English, our, our coach spoke English, our video coach spoke English. And then probably most of the guys on the team spoke a little bit of English, mm-hmm. but uh, everything's in Russian. Okay. So you just kind of zone out when the coach is talking, and if you hear your name, you're like, <laughs> hopefully that's not bad. But <laughs> were you ever like scared at one point there, or, like with all the injections and stuff? Were you ever like, this doesn't feel right? No, the only thing I was scared of was not getting my paychecks. So <laughs> were that's, they sketchy sometimes? They, no, they all came, but uh, I. I had a crazy thing like I got an infection there from a needle that would probably wasn't fully clean and ended up missing the last month of the year so it was a little sketchy on that front of if they were going to pay me they were trying to get me to play even though I had gone to a specialist in Moscow that said you can't do anything for at least a month so it was a it was tricky on that front but still I look back to my experience in Russia and I'm so glad I went there yeah it was something that not many people are ever going to go spend time there, especially playing in a professional sport. The The culture is actually super respectful. Mm-hmm. If you're respectful, there there's some flaws in it. Of course, they value money so much that if you don't have money, you almost don't matter. And if you do, you're treated like a god. So there's flaws and I'm sure people could say that's the same way in, in America and Canada, but it was an experience. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I just wanted to reach out and let you know where you can contact myself and some of the guests. Um, TJ's an open book. He's a wealth of information. He later in the podcast is going to talk about one of the new projects that he's working on, which is Outcast Mission. So you can follow that at Outcast Mission on Instagram. Um, the supplement company that he refers to a couple times is TDF Sports. Again, same name on Instagram. And for me, you can reach uh, me at, at sports.cokes on Instagram. So I look forward to hearing from you. How did you know you were done? I think I knew I was done before I actually was done, Mm -hmm. but I just played to get a paycheck and wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. But after my last year in in Russia, I knew 100% I was done and I was ready to go. And I just wasn't enjoying going to the rink. And I'm sure I could have played, I probably could have played for another five to 10 years, no joke. Yeah. I, I feel like I could easily put on my skates. And if you gave me three weeks, I could play in some obscure league in, <laughs> in Europe. But I just, I just wasn't enjoying it. And I think for me, I just said, I gotta, I gotta step away. Yeah. And did it feel like the right move or were you still questioning it a lot? No, 100% felt like the right thing. I've put on my skates once since I retired. And I guess it's been two years, maybe a little, yeah, something like two years. And I 
was not looking forward to putting them on and I have no interest in putting them on again in anytime soon. That's so interesting to me that it just kind of, I don't know, that not the drive. I mean, you start, you're just passionate about a lot of things, but like something that it took up so much of your life and so much of your time, you're just, yeah, thanks for, I'm done now. I still like watching though, actually. I mean, living in Atlanta, Canada or on that Atlantic time zone, it sucks because, mm-hmm. you know, the earliest game starts at 8, yeah, which is a nightmare, especially if you have a young kid and you're trying to get some sleep. But I'll still watch the highlights in the morning. And I think part of it is just keeping up with friends. And then the game is so interesting now. The guys are so good. Yeah. Like I was watching uh, highlights from that uh, Leafs game yesterday. This Matthews is so good. It's crazy. It's ridiculous how these guys shoot the puck. Yeah. I, I couldn't in a million years. Like... You know how if you shot 10 pucks, sometimes that one shot is just particularly amazing? Yeah. You could give me a 1,000 and I can't shoot like this guy's worst shot. It's crazy. It's so wild and it's so, uh, I don't know, they get chirped. Like these guys are getting chirped all of the time by podcasts mm. and all this sort of stuff. And my heart kind of breaks for them and, and all of like the social media that's just tearing them apart. And I'm just like, guys, like you're so good. And most of us never even dream of being anything like that you know yeah it's crazy and then i wonder too then i think that's part of my curious mind now as i go is this guy seeing a naturopath like (laughs) is he doing anything or is he just kind of like your typical guy that just eats whatever's put in front of him yeah and that always like ever so slightly maybe terrifies me of like there's some people out there just eating chicken wings and french fries and they can perform at that level i'm like does it everything i know is it real yeah that's that's true I think it's something that you go back and forth on and I saw it firsthand like I played with guys that were you know top three guys on the team and they were eating chicken wings and just ridiculous like two bottles of wine night before game and you're like how's this guy performing yeah it doesn't matter that I'm eating a vegan meal and like never putting sugar in my body and getting nine ten hours of sleep I'm like am I doing something wrong? Do I need to try what he's doing? Yeah. And I feel like that one potentially comes back to that longevity piece too. Like our bodies are amazing. They're so adaptable. They bend over backwards for us literally and figuratively every day. So potentially, you know, once the season's done, once the off season is there kind of forever, maybe the interventions that you did might keep you going longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Wishful thinking. Let's hope, because I base most of what I do on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, actually, something I wanted to chat with you about is uh, one year we were playing in playoffs, and I got hit from behind, and in the same hit I had a grade two separation in my shoulder and cracked a rib. So I think it was game one, too, of the second round. So I couldn't even lift my arm, probably – I don't even know what percentage of the way I could get it, but it was it was brutal. And then my ribs, if I took a deep breath, it hurt. <laughs> so, of course, I was going to play through it, but they, they, they would freeze my AC joint before the game, right before warm-ups, but they couldn't freeze my rib because the, the fear of poking a lung. Yes. Puncturing the lung. So uh, I was taking, like, a Toradol or Tramadol or whatever it was, and... Um, after the fact so I played six more games like that and you know you get on the ice and you feel like Superman still which was crazy I mean I'd be hitting guys and getting hit and 
and then I'd get home and it would wear off. And I, if I moved or sneezed or did anything in bed, it was like excruciating pain. But I'm curious as something like that, had I known you at that point, the second we were out of playoffs, what would you do with someone like that? Yeah. So it's tricky because for athletes, it's a different game that we kind of play with athletes. And like when we look at the research on corticosteroid injections, it wears away at the tissue, especially repetitive ones. So it is a go-to for a lot of people. And if you had to play next weekend and you were in that amount of pain, I'd be like, you know what, let's do it or get a doctor that could do it for you. But long-term, it's not good, you know, and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen and all the ones that we give you. Now the research is showing that it's affecting testosterone. It's affecting, um, gut health, all these types of things. So the long-term effects of these things is horrific, you know, and it really comes down to, I think maybe informed consent. Like if you understand what I'm telling you, you understand the risks and you still say yes, what am I going to do? You know, but for me, what I look at is how does the body heal itself through an acute inflammatory response? So my jam with a lot of that stuff is prolotherapy and platelet-rich plasma injections. And um, I personally can't do them, but stem cell injections. And um, I think that's the way of the future to give the body its ability to initiate that inflammatory response versus suppressing. And even with like ice, I think we have to be really intentional with when we use it. So again, if you had a game this weekend, we want the inflammation to go down so you can play. But for the injury, we kind of want it to blow up. So it's always like this, I don't know, ever so slightly game that we play. And then in off season, I think that's the time that we have to start taking care of these injuries Mm -hmm. and improving like ligament laxity. So if you, I mean, it doesn't happen so much in hockey, but if for whatever other sport you roll your ankle a million times during the season, we should strengthen that after, you know, and, and focus on rehab very specific to that versus just saying, oh, well, it's healed now, or I don't feel pain now, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I wish I wish I knew that because I think what I did back then was after game seven, I think the team went on probably a week bender and then flew home and just pretty much didn't do anything because I couldn't for a long time. I think that it took probably three months. It almost took the whole summer for it to start to feel good. And then by the time it was good, the season was on again. So it's a, it's a crazy world that the athletes play. It is. It's a really tough go, and it's a really tough. I, th- I guess all you can do as a practitioner, and I, I hope I'm right in this, that as long as you understand the, I don't know, downstream effects of this, like if you're really informed of, what this potentially could do and then you make the decision like I feel most times my job is providing information and providing options and then allowing the person to make a really informed decision of what would be best for them whereas oftentimes like I think a lot of people are told this is your only option you got to do this you got to do surgery or nothing you got to do this or nothing you know and there's so much stuff out there now that we don't even know about or hasn't even come down the line yet and I know that that's um, a lot of people talk about naturopathic medicine of not being evidence-based or even like holistic nutrition of not being evidence-based but a lot of this research takes forever to come down the line like I know uh, for what I do there has to be research to show 
either mechanistically or in actual research that it's going to do something or it's definitely not going to cause harm. And as long as you convey that to someone, I think you're safe in initiating it. But yeah, it's, it's tough. Like we're behind the times and everything. And each country is behind the times of another country, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about Russia, like whatever that super Normatech thing was, are we missing out here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't wait to see what's coming down the line though. And you know, I'm always uh game for experiments now that I don't have to worry about NSF and <laughs> all that other stuff. I, I, I just, I'm always looking at the research and listening to other people with podcasts and trying to find out what what's the next new thing and especially when it comes to longevity and and feeling your best every day yeah for sure um when you went vegan what why what was that decision process like well my wife actually had been vegan for i think three years before i started and she was always just kind of a pain in the ass wherever we'd go because back then, you know, restaurants nowadays, there's a vegan option pretty much wherever you go. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a steakhouse, they have vegan options now. But back then it was like you'd say vegan and they had no idea what you meant. So I think I just kind of watched her and then she never pushed it on me either, which was, was pretty cool that she she's like that. I, I think everyone's seen a pushy vegan now or pushy for anything. So uh, I just kind of started to learn on my own the benefits towards a plant-based lifestyle for athletes. Uh, And I just slowly started taking things out. And as I did, I started to feel better. So I got to the point where I wasn't eating any red meat. And then I wasn't eating anything, any fish. And then I eventually, I was in Prague and had chicken schnitzel somewhere and it sucked and i said all right that's it that's the last thing of meat i'm gonna have you're done yep and since then i haven't had anything and feel great what have you noticed um that has been the biggest change i think the biggest change for me immediately was sleep i used to toss and turn for probably an hour or two every night and then when i switched to plant-based my head hits the pillow even to this day and i'm done that's awesome. It takes like, it's probably under a minute. It's It blows my mind still. That My wife is, she'll just be like, do you realize how fast you fall asleep once, once your head hits a pillow? And it's amazing because I never thought that was possible. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think while I was playing, it was just recovery. I'd, I'd feel good right away. Yeah. I'd play a game and get all beat up in the game. And the next day I'd wake up and I'd feel good. Okay. So those were the number two. And I guess number three would be any sort of like stomach issues like I think when I was shoving whey protein down my throat all the time trying to gain weight or keep weight uh I'd always be gassy or burpy and just kind of stomach wasn't feeling right and that all went away yeah that's awesome and I mean you hear amazing stories about it and I think you know it's amazing for some people and I think there's a really healthy way to incorporate meat for different people and I think um I don't know a lot of the kind of as you said we've all met a pushy vegan or we've all met um some sort of I don't know keto or whatever the the new intervention is so yeah I always like your style I don't even think I knew you were vegan until maybe the third or fourth time I had met you right so Mm -hmm. I like that style and then on top of that too like all the information coming out like that new documentary the game changers yeah um I I'm glad it came out I think it's good that for people to see like 
the crap that they're putting in their bodies and I think there's value there and I think when James kind of breaks down the science there's science is coming out that you know it, it can be beneficial so I think there's just a way to do everything and and it all depends on the athlete for sure yeah I think people get too they take things too personally yeah like they're you can live a healthy lifestyle in various ways I think the the issue is the vast majority of people that are on this standard American diet. That's where the problem is. Yes, definitely. And what's the point in me, let's say, a, a, a vegan battling against some guy that's keto and he's eating super clean and the meat that he gets is from his buddy who's a farmer and, you know, all that. It, it, it's almost pointless. Yes. It's let's just put our energy into living our own lives, feeling good, feeling healthy and if someone that is not on that path wants to talk to me about it, I'm always happy to open up and say, here's my experience. Yours might be different. Like uh, we talked about Bernsey earlier in this. This guy eats like a tomahawk steak the night before a game. Mm -hmm. And I'd sit there, he'd have that, and I'd have a vegan meal. And <laughs> we're not butting heads. I could care less what he eats. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's just people take it too personal and they, and they love to argue and battle. It's just, listen, this is your play. This is mine. I feel good this way. If you want to try it, great. Yeah. And I almost even feel bad for people. I mean, like, I guess I've studied nutrition for 12 years at this point. Um, and like, I still don't know. And it sounds weird to say because that's my job, but, like, I don't think there's one thing out there, and I'd never think that there's going to be a new diet that comes out that is revolutionary and is perfect for everyone. So I think it's unfortunate for the, the general population, and even athletes, too, to think that there's one that it's going to optimize everything, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's tough to, like, convey that information. Everyone's like, well, should I intermittent fast? Should I, you know, not do this? Should I not do this? And I'm like, well, it depends, you know? If you're super stressed out, no, you shouldn't put more stress on the body by not eating. Probably not, you know? And it just all depends. If you're a woman, it's different than a man. And a lot of the research that is ever done is um, college-age males, because that's who they can get for pools of research, right? Pam, 20 bucks. Yeah. Who's going to be there? And, like, goodness knows what they were doing the night before mm -hmm. so is that skewing the information probably and also for nutrition like we're horrible at recalling what we ate so there's a lot not a lot of out there uh research wise that is anything that i could pull and say this is truth for everyone you know yeah, yeah it's tricky it's uh the more i learn about it the more i realize that it is a huge problem but I'm not going to be the guy that's that's fixing it. It's too much work. Yeah, and that's fair. Like I said, I would love for someone to come to me and say, okay, I, I, what I've been doing hasn't been working. I want to try what you're doing and actually be committed to it and, and see what happens. Yeah. You know, everyone's seen the before-after pictures on Instagram or wherever else, but it's, it's different if it's someone that yeah. you know or that's someone that has come to you. So... If anyone if anyone out there is listening I'm happy to give you my what I eat two cents on it yeah for sure um, major injuries in the while you're playing in the league like I know you've obviously had some and I think we talked about like your forearm injury and stuff like that. what was it two uh, both wrists? I broke both both wrists yeah so those were those were pretty major I broke my ankle mm -hmm. uh, stick in the eye 
that shoulder one I told you about. I separated my other shoulder, I think, twice. Had a back injury. <laughs> so I've had everything. But um, I think what I did was I just listened to what I was told mm -hmm. and did it. And I think that's probably still what happens with 99% of athletes is yeah. you just trust the trainer and say, okay, well, if I'm going to surgery tomorrow, I'm going to surgery tomorrow. Yeah. But it's slowly changing. And I think it starts with like the stars. So those guys, they're not just listening to their trainer. They're going to, if, if I'm, you know, the top player in the league and I break my ankle, I'm not just going to the team doc. And if the team doc says, this is, you're getting surgery tomorrow, we're going to put a plate in here and screws in here. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a second opinion from whoever the best ankle injury person is in the world. And I think that's where change starts. Mm -hmm. And it's more commonplace now for, in the NHL at least, for guys to get a second opinion. And that's actually was one of the things that the players fought for in the last CBA. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing a change. And I wish, looking back on my injuries, I wish I would have handled them differently and more in a holistic fashion. Um, mind you, I don't have any lingering effects from them, thank God. But... Uh, just knowing what I know now, I would have definitely gone more of that holistic approach. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's even like, I mean, I have post-surgery protocols to make the duration shorter with, you know, specific nutrients that your body needs to heal. And, and that's huge. And then the IV therapy is huge. And then um, there's so many things that we can do to get people back faster is that always the best approach? I'm not sure, but there's definitely like more holistic, natural things that will get people back. Um, so yeah, there's there's so much out there. It's it's crazy for for injury management now. Um, coming out of the NHL, you had a pretty sweet setup within like a year. Hey, mm -hmm. tell us about that. So yeah, I was super lucky with the way it worked out for me. So I met uh, I met this guy Darren Burke. I think it was my second year in the league he had started a supplement company and was selling to our team and various teams across the league and other sports and our strength coach said you should connect with this guy he'll get you set up with what you need in the summer and uh called him actually and he was in calgary at the time it was in the summer and somehow the timing worked out and we went for lunch and got along really well and kept in touch over the years did a couple other little business things together and then as my career was winding down, he had sold his supplement company and signed a five-year non-compete. So that was winding down for him, and just the stars aligned, and we said, let's start a business together. And uh, here we are almost three years later from when we started it. And, uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a supplement company. We have a, a business where we take produce from farms, grocers, food brokers, uh, surplus produce so anything that they can't sell uh, that still is in good condition we don't touch any of the moldy stuff or the the true waste but uh, we take that and we have a technology that we created that powders it and gives it a two-year shelf life and high nutrient value so it's uh, it's kind of crazy how it all worked out and uh, we just had a, a name change it's called outcast foods if anyone wants to check it out outcastfoods.com and uh really happy with the way my transition from sport happened that's awesome it's pretty tough for some people so I'm, I'm glad to hear that it was i don't know 
obviously not easy for you, but at least mm-hmm. there was there was outlets there. Um, yeah, the supplement company is awesome, and it has the NSF certification, which makes me so happy, obviously, because mm-hmm. I can actually use it with the athletes. Um, where do you see it going in the future? Is there anything big on the horizon that you're thinking? Oh, there's so many big things, but uh, on the supplements, it's called TDF Sports. That's our sport brand. Um, new products coming still, uh, selling a ton to pro teams and pro athletes and different retailers all across the country and starting to go into the U.S. And then on the outcast food side, that's really where our, our, the majority of our time is spent now. And uh, we just did a $3 million funding round, and then we closed that recently and doing some crazy things with national grocers. Um, yeah, it's, it's the sky's the limit, really, with that side of the business. You guys are killing it. I love that. And the sweet thing when I first saw the TDF supplements, too, is when I looked at the ingredients, the dosage was actually functional, and the ingredients that you guys use made so much sense to me. So, like, the real energy um, supplements you guys have, like, it combined caffeine with L-theanine, so you're going to get... Um, the buzz of caffeine but not without the shakes you know and and the especially if you're going into a workout or into like a really functional day that you need you can still be stimulated but stay focused and then in the magnesium you guys used you know bisglycinate which is you know a way more bioavailable form so the fact that people are starting to catch on to these things and not just selling stuff because of stuff is amazing to see for sure yeah thanks it's been it's been fun it's been an interesting ride and for me, I like it because it keeps me close to sport. So uh, just working with different strength coaches and players across the leagues, it's it's fun. And you get to be exposed to other sports. When I played, I never really met anyone in other sports. So now that I'm on this side of the business or this side of the, the coin, I guess you could say, not playing and supplying them with stuff, it's it's been cool. We were... We were with the Dallas Mavericks and their facility and just seeing the differences between what they have and what NHL teams have. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. And just kind of catching up with your old buddies from the league too would probably be pretty fun, hey? Yeah, it's good. It's it's always fun. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm not that old where most of the guys that I played with are still in the league. Yeah. So I get to get to bug them every now and then when I'm in town and go for dinner with some of them so it's been fun that sounds cool um so yeah kind of you're doing it all i'm sure i could talk to you for you know hours and would bring up you know all of the human optimization things but is there anything human optimization wise or things that you do kind of like i don't know pretty regularly to keep your body fit and healthy well we talked about sauna that's huge for me i i if i could sauna every day i would and I built a sauna actually at my place here. So I, I pretty much sauna at least three, three, four times a week. You live on a lake too, right? Yeah. So you it's frozen solid now, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> but I went in there as long as I could. I broke the ice, but now it's too thick. So I can't really get in there. But uh, yeah, sauna would be a huge one. Um, and then I think the first meal of the day that I have is a smoothie. And it has about a zillion things in it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no matter what I have the rest of the day, it almost is irrelevant because that first meal is so potent and has so many healthy things in it that it just kind of sets me on that path for the day. That's so awesome. Um, have you tried float therapy yet? I have. I can't do it. My mom is like, she loves it. She was going 
probably way too often Mm -hmm. and she kept bugging me to go and go and go and then I went and I think just the way my mind works it's too much I couldn't settle in Mm -hmm. and I don't know I just it wasn't for me I I think I got to be like Joe Rogan and try some sort of a drug in it I'm not a big drug guy yeah I smoked weed once in my life, so maybe the second time I smoke weed, I'll I'll be in uh, one of those float tanks. A tank to try it out. What about like, would you ever go down the psychedelics path? Or anything? I would actually. I think so. My my crazy brother-in-law, he's he's done it all. So he uh, he tells me about some of his experiences, and now really that you see the science and that it's. I mean, I think like some of the top schools in the world are doing studies now on like psilocybin and different different things like that so it's it's not it doesn't have that that stigma that it used to mm-hmm. so i'd be down yeah i told you i like experiences <laughs> if someone if someone came up to me one night at, at the start of a night out and had some some special mushroom that was going to make my night better and yeah. Uh, I'd be down. You'd try it out for sure. That's cool. Yeah, no, I think there's a, I love the research and it's always fun to see that part of thing, but even like a new life experience, there's so much to that as well, assuming that you're safe in that environment, I guess. Yeah, I had a friend tell me two nights ago that he tried LSD. Whoa. I think that's probably maybe a little too intense for me, but uh, it's cool to hear people are doing different things and opening their mind up. For sure. And they're like, even the research on LSD for, you know, PTSD and and, uh, MDMA for couples therapy and stuff. Yeah, there's so much out there in the MAPS center in the States is doing tons of research on all of this. So it's kind of like breaking down those barriers of what we once thought was so taboo or shouldn't be used is actually coming in as extremely therapeutic which is awesome well it's good to know about the mdma i uh i was at a club once in san francisco crazy during my during my san jose days and uh this guy that i had just met that night who was friends with a teammate of mine we had a big crew with us i think there were like 15 of us at, at this place and he had this tray of shots and gave us all a shot and then after, it was like, I don't know, 20 minutes later, he came up to me and was like, hey, how you feeling? And I'm like, I don't know, good. And he's like, oh, you feeling it? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, there was MDMA in there. there was, or there was Molly in there. And I'm like, I'm like what? <laughs> and I had never done it. So I went up to my buddy. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy drugged all of our shots. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, what? And he was rattled too. But then we were both like, all right, we're either going to roll with this and enjoy the night mm. or we're going to be freaked out and it'll ruin the night. And we had a hell of a night. Yeah. Super aggressive move on his part. but Seriously, but I guess San Francisco, crazy guy. Yeah. I'm sure it was an adventure. It was a hell of an adventure. On a completely separate note, um, kind of ending most podcasts with uh, what you would tell, you know, future generations who are trying to get where you are. Um, probably not drugs would be the first one. Skip the MDMA. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just like words of advice or words of encouragement to, you know, keep their passions alive and say like it is possible or any like tip that you would give them to say like, you got to do this. There's probably a million things. Honestly, the number one, if you're really trying to be a pro athlete, I think is to just block out the noise. You're going to get told a million times that you're not good enough, that you suck, that the percentage of people that actually make it is so low. You just have to block it out. I don't know how many people told me from friends to family to outsiders that uh, 0.001% of people make it to the NHL, just drop it, go to school, get a degree. 
if I would have listened to them, I obviously never would have made it. So that's number one and just have confidence in yourself. Yeah, that's solid advice. And yeah, a lot of the world can be working against you, but there's still those, you know, 1% that makes it, right? And mm -hmm. that has to be someone. Yep. Why not you? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll have you on again. And it's always sweet to, I don't know, chat with you. We always get into some interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. um, so this was the first episode um, ever recorded of the off season. Um, and I'm so thankful that TJ shared it with me. Um, so thanks again, buddy, for coming. And I'm sure we'll see you on future episodes. No problem. Honored to be on it. Awesome, buddy.